0: Welcome to my show, Midwife Talks. I'm Lindy Casey, retired midwife. I discuss anything and everything, but mostly women's health, crunchy stuff, and birth stories. One of the best kept secrets in the birthing world is how mean some of the workers are. If any of this sounds like something you did, I hope you know it's not a good look to admit to being such a jerk. Almost Every woman remembers the mean girls at school, the ones who sneered at others or maybe even did something outright cruel. The movie industry has capitalized on it with characters like Rizzo in Grease and Jody Long in Tamara Drew. And every mother knows another mother who, with a sweet voice, expressed concern about your baby's development. You know what I mean. Oh, sweetie, don't worry that your baby can't roll over, even though my junior is now crawling. Those comments and sneers and side-eyes hurt. Reheat last night's dinner and let me tell you how some midwives really treat other midwives. If being weird means you don't exactly fit in the way it seems other people fit in, then I know I'm weird. I can be incredibly awkward, but I'm almost always kind. I say almost always because if I see someone being unfair or cruel, I turn into a tiger. The fact that many women can be unbelievably uncaring does not make them normal or the opposite of weird. It just makes them mean. So even though I'm weird and probably have ADHD, I reject that the people who are rude and nasty are the normal ones because being mean should never be normal. And yet, I do accept that I chose to work in a field where I was subjected to large and small indignities at almost every encounter with my colleagues. One of the problems with being a midwife, for me anyway, was that it was so isolating. The only people you can really share your experiences with are other midwives. No one else can know what it's like to be on call, nonstop, or have an emergency suddenly come down that you have to react to. You're left shaking, but with a strange sense of exhilaration. You dodged the bullet, the one we all know is coming for us sooner or later. Death, permanent injury... Lawsuits. Midwives work exhausted, like interns while training to be a doctor. The difference, besides the obvious, is that when an intern becomes a fully fledged physician, her workload decreases. Midwives, on the other hand, never graduate to a less strenuous schedule. In fact, or at least in my case, with experience came demand, and I actually got less rest and was more busy as I advanced in my career. I had to depend on other midwives to cover for me so that I could take breaks or I was doomed to continue to work non-stop. In the early years, I worked with Kay, my midwifery partner. While we attended nearly every birth together, we did occasionally take vacations and breaks. And if we had two ladies in labor at once, we could split up and they would each be cared for by someone they knew and trusted. In the later years of working a solo practice, especially after I moved to Wisconsin, there was only one midwife I knew that I could trust to be kind and present. Shout out to Dion. You might be wondering if clients who are, after all, women, might also be mean girls. I didn't have that problem, at least not while they were pregnant. Maybe it was because they were depending upon me that tempered any troublesome tendencies. Occasionally, after the baby was born, some rotten comment would filter back to me that a client had said, but that comment was usually delivered by one of the other midwives. There's a saying that midwives see the original face. I think it means that a baby, freshly born, hasn't had time to hide their true self from the world. But maybe there's another meaning: A lady laboring and birthing shows her true self without pretence. she's too busy or consumed to put on a front. And maybe that's why I've not had any issues with clients being mean during their birthing year. Afterwards, well, yeah, that's a thing. I'll tell you about it in another episode. My mother, and probably your mother too, used to say, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And Michelle Obama famously said, when they go low, we go high. That's the advice from women. I got another message from the men in my life. My middle brother told me that if I was confronted by someone who meant me harm, if I couldn't get away safely, I should act completely bat-shit crazy so that they couldn't be sure what I was capable of. I've tried both methods, although I only applied my brother's advice with men who were threatening me. Again, I'm not a mean girl. Unfortunately, not saying anything and taking the higher ground with some women didn't help one iota. Those people that wanted to hurt me, if anything, it might have given them the impression I was easy to bully. A mean girl is a person who undermines your confidence or outright stabs you in the back. She might flirt with your partner or gaslight you or imply you've done something completely wrong. She rarely strikes front on, but her attacks might even hurt worse. I'm going to share some stories that show how truly rotten midwives can be to other midwives. While the client might think the midwives are calm and kind and granola-eating pacifists, the truth is something darker. Let's go. This first story happened to another midwife. I'll call her June she had built up a successful midwifery practice and operated within any laws that existed in her state she was well connected in her community and because of that she attracted a clientele of mostly well-to-do ladies i know details of this situation because i was hired to be an expert defense witness in a legal suit against her i'll be changing or leaving out a lot of the details to protect her privacy and the privacy of her clients As an expert witness, I received a big box of copies of June's clients' charts. I went through each one and wrote a statement about every visit she had with them and each decision she made about their care. It was extensive and intense. What I found out was June was a good midwife. I could tell by reading her charts and the notes she made about her clients. I knew the basis of the charges were silly. No one was hurt. She honored a client's wishes to forgo a conventional medical treatment to try a more natural approach. The new mom's complaint was minor, and the natural approach worked, and her complaint was resolved. June's no longer attending births because of this lawsuit, but at that time, she loved her work, and she loved her clients. Part of the midwifery model of care is accepting that the client has ultimate control. The midwife is a resource to give information and provide support and, of course, to be utilized for her experience and skills. June took this very seriously. A lot of women who choose home birth or non-medical birth center birth with a midwife have specific philosophies about their health that they want honored. That can range from delayed cord clamping to choosing which lab tests they want to have done. Some religions even have very specific dictates surrounding childbirth. For instance, when i worked with couples who are Scientologists, they specifically asked that no one speak at all during labor or delivery. Once a young Japanese first-time mom wanted me to help her wrap her belly right after delivery, and though it was difficult and certainly not convenient, I did it for her. Those desires are harder to negotiate in a typical hospital setting. June got that. She understood her role and she honored her client's wishes as far as she could and as long as they weren't detrimental to the health of the mom or baby. The specifics of the case that brought her to court aren't mine to share and besides it's really irrelevant. What very much matters is that she had done nothing wrong and no one got hurt. But another midwife in her town heard about June's practice of honoring her client's wishes and went to the medical board that oversaw the midwifery license and complained. The way these sorts of complaints work is that the person who has been complained about has the responsibility to explain their actions to the board. The board then looks at that complaint and if they have not already made a ruling or a decision about that particular issue, then it goes on to having to be argued. While it's not a criminal court, it is most definitely a legal proceeding and it has serious potential consequences. So June had to hire an attorney. She had to hire an expert witness. That would be me. And while all this was going on, she had to hire another midwife to oversee her in her practice of midwifery, since her voluntary professional organization that was made up of her sister midwives demanded that. All of that cost money, a lot of money, and new clients didn't really understand what was going on. So she wasn't getting as many new bookings for births. Because a specific case had been cited in this investigation, she couldn't talk to anyone about it. All people knew was that June had done something wrong, and the Board of Licensing was investigating her, and it was so serious she had to hire a lawyer. The other midwife, the one who filed the original complaint, was able to increase her practice, since she had no stain of some mysterious situation hanging over her head. In a choice between June, who had this mysterious complaint about her practice and the other midwife. It's only natural that pregnant people wouldn't choose June. After several years of fighting allegations that she had done something wrong, despite my testimony that everything she did was well within the scope of her license and with no injured party at all, she went bankrupt. She closed her practice, let her license lapse, and she took up another career. All because another midwife wanted to increase her own practice. I know a lot of my listeners are really into doing things the natural way and being self-sufficient. My daughter, Christina, is the same way and had a dream of owning a farm. While the acreage she pined for didn't pan out, she began to live her dream where she was, on a city lot in the midst of a metro area. She raises chickens for eggs and manure, grows vegetables and fruits, and she preserves what she produces. You can watch what she's up to and learn some things about urban farming on her YouTube channel, Casey Urban Farm. Recently, she's covered dry canning, tomato growing, and different types of raised growing beds. I love that I can walk through her urban oasis every day and see fresh flowers, organic foods, all to the farmy sounds of a rooster crowing. Now you can too. Visit youtube.com slash Casey Urban Farm to see what's growing. That's youtube.com slash Casey Urban Farm. C-A-S-E-Y-U-R-B-A-N-F-A-R-M. There was a midwife who'd been around forever in a town I once lived in. She wasn't really trained or even educated. She was pretty rough around the edges and she had a propensity to party. Most of her clients loved her and were protective of her. I lived and practiced there for years and I'd never met her, but I'd heard plenty. I'm gonna call her Lydia. The midwives I associated with, including Kay, told me some of the strangest stories about Lydia But I didn't know her nor have any reason to interact with her, so I just thought of the whole drama with her as peculiar and honestly never really thought much about it. But once in a while, a new client would come in, and when I asked about their prior birth history, they told me some very strange things that Lydia had done to them. Dangerous things. Things that were patently unprofessional. And then other stories Lydia told started filtering through to me. This was back in the 1990s, and maybe they wouldn't be so bizarre now, but back then they definitely seemed controversial. A common story was that Kay was sleeping with her clients' husbands. Kay was charismatic and had been her dad's buddy for seven years before her brother was born. Because of that, she knew about hunting, fishing, fixing, and building things. When we had prenatal visits and chatted with our clients, or when we were at a birth and talked to the men present to kill time, She was able to hold her own in those types of conversations. She just really went off on being able to talk about that stuff. And she was beautiful. You can see how a lady, pregnant and possibly insecure, could feel threatened by that. The story grew in scope, but there wasn't one shred of truth to it. Eventually, it sort of died out, but then another one took its place. Lydia told people that Kay and I were lesbians. And that also was not true, but shouldn't matter one iota. We took care of a lot of people who practiced formal religions back then, and at that time, all of those religions denounced homosexuality. Like I said before, now that would probably not seem like such a big deal, but at that time, it was damaging. We were just living our lives, but these odd comments by someone we had no contact with would surface. We were always very careful to not say anything negative about Lydia, but I have to admit it was hard. Eventually, Lydia wrote a book, and in it she made some very damaging claims about all of the midwives in our area. According to her, she was the only one qualified, and the rest of us were hacks at best, dangerous at worst. She told people we had killed babies and took drugs. She said we were sluts or queer, maybe both. She said we stole clients' money and we were incompetent. It's obvious to me now, as it was then that she felt threatened by the growing midwifery community. She was probably afraid her contribution to the home birth movement in our area would be forgotten as the rest of us created our own circle of clients that thought we were pretty good midwives. The more popular we became, the worse she became. When I finally met her, I was amazed by how small and crude she was. I could see she was trying to put on an air of superiority, but it was really falling flat. I was kind to her, but that seemed to fuel her anger. I never saw her again. Many of you know about my side gigs. I want to take a moment to talk about one of them, a little series of easy reader books I write that I'm super proud of. It's called Kids on C Street, and it's all about some children who lived on one street, in one small town in the 1960s. Hashtag Boulder City, Nevada. Every book includes a list of all the words in the story and has been rated to reading level, which is usually first to third grade. I write the books for my great-grandchildren, but your kids can read them too, and I hope you'll enjoy a little wholesome trip down memory lane. You can find them on wishpickle.com or Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Search for Kids on C Street by Lindy Casey. In Wisconsin, I was isolated. I was miles away from any other midwife and from any continuing educational opportunities. When I heard about a neonatal resuscitation course that was being held about 75 miles away from me, I signed right up. Even though it was the middle of winter, I braved the snow and cold and drove to Duluth, Minnesota for the class. I'd heard there was a midwife there from Arizona. She'd recently moved into the area, so I contacted her about the class and asked if she wanted to go and she showed up she seemed nice but we never had another opportunity to see each other she was just we were just too far apart she just lived too far away she was there about a year when the bullying by other midwives got so bad she moved i might have some of the details wrong but i think this is what happened stacy not her real name had a big family and preferred practicing a very natural form of midwifery this is controversial in the midwifery community her husband worked from home, and they seemed like sort of modern hippies in the style of Ina May Gaskin back in the 70s. Stacy had dropped out of a lot of society's conventions. But she was obsessed with midwifery and birth, and she had a real gift for promotion. When a health fair was held, she got a booth and was happy to meet and greet potential clients in her new city. However, some of the other midwives in the area weren't happy about yet another colleague moving on to their turf. They also had a booth at the health fair. When people visited their booth, they told the visitors that Stacy had killed babies, that she was dangerous, that she had moved to Duluth to escape some sort of prosecution. Some of those visitors came right down to Stacy's booth, maybe out of curiosity or maybe to stir up trouble, but they repeated what they'd been told. I guess like the old Kenny Rogers song, The Gambler, you have to know when to hold 'em and know when to fold 'em. Stacy knew it was a battle she didn't want to fight. She folded and left the game. I think she's somewhere out east now, still catching babies and spreading her love of birth. If you're a new midwife you might not have been subjected to any sort of meanness and you could think these are isolated incidents. I'm glad you haven't felt the sting of the people you have to rely on, the only people who understand your work and how challenging and rewarding it is, turning on you. I think one contributing factor in this phenomenon is that each midwife is actually an independent practitioner. If she doesn't grab every client she can, she won't make enough money to support herself or justify being gone from her family all the time. That means that every other midwife is her competition. At the root of it is probably the same motivator that's in junior high girls, except they're competing for boys or recognition in some other area. I'm not sure that mean girls even realize what they're doing. The culture might be so ingrained in them that they subconsciously justify their actions. I really believed in the sisterhood of midwives for about 20 years. I felt safe talking to them and sharing my experiences. I thought I could be vulnerable with them as I couldn't be with anyone else. But some of my words were twisted and shared unkindly. My experiences and ideas were adopted as if they belonged to the women I'd talked to. I was betrayed. From continually trying to destroy my partnership with Kay by feeding her lies, which they were initially successful at, to calling my clients and telling them lies, which didn't work, to simply just not being available to help me ever at any time, they made my life much harder than it needed to be. I've been an expert witness, sat on the board of a midwifery college, started a support group for the birthing community, and supported numerous midwives in their journey. After 40 years, I know what worked for me and what didn't. Next is my advice. If you are an aspiring midwife or even an experienced midwife trying to make sense of the sticky minefield of midwifery relationships, there are some things you can do that might help. Choose one person, just one, to be your sounding board. They should be someone who will love you no matter what and always has your best interests at heart and who are absolutely trustworthy to hold your confidences private. Not everyone can do this for you. Presumably, some of what you'll want to talk about will not be okay for polite society, kind of icky-gooey stuff. After Kay died, I chose my daughter. Once you have that person, utilize them. Ask them if after every birth you can debrief it with them. They probably won't be able to give you constructive advice on medical issues. But sometimes, just by telling your story out loud... You'll find some relief, answers, or closure. But be really careful about joining any midwifery fraternal organization, group, or guild. An animal control officer once told me that one dog loose is just a nuisance, but two dogs loose together form a pack. Think about that. You'll need to associate with those midwives, and you should. But don't mistake that relationship as being friends. They aren't your friends. You are their competition, and they take that very seriously. You can't know the motivations of others. Maybe they want to make more money. Maybe their self-worth is all tied up in how many births they attend. Maybe they feel their training makes them more qualified than you, and to prove it, they have to do better, be better, be more popular. Maybe they're jealous of the connections you have with your clients your friends, or even the medical community. You can't know. All you have to know is that there is a certain group of people in the midwifery community who don't want you to be popular or successful or loved. Is it all of them? No, no, not at all. But it seems like this trait depends upon their own triggers. And you can't know mostly what that trigger is or when they will go off on you or what they're doing and saying behind your back. I'm sure that no matter what field you work in, there are people who do these sorts of things. To feed my creative side, I've always had side gigs. Kay and I envisioned a publishing company back in the 90s, and I made that happen. So I publish things and have interacted with a lot of authors and creators. I also worked for a time at the National Park Service on their website as an independent contractor, back before the whole thing became database-driven. I owned and ran a website for a town I lived in. An unofficial website and it was really political so i rubbed shoulders with the mayor city council and other leaders in that community in every instance the same thing really was going on but men undermined each other in a different way so that's a subject for another podcast female authors put down the work of other female authors same with artists at the park service my direct superior frequently passed my work off as her own A woman who used to sit on the city council became a real estate agent and when I was selling my house came to view it and tried insulting me about my house. My house. I sold it on my own for nearly three times what I bought it for so the joke's on her. By the way, I hear she's running for city council again. The point is that there are mean girls among us. Beware. That's all for this episode. Thanks for listening. I appreciate every one of you. And remember, if you want to support what I do, then share, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. If you have anything you'd like to add to this subject, you can be part of the conversation. Go to anchor.fm slash midwife talks and click on the message button. That's anchor.fm slash midwife talks. I'll see you in the next episode of Midwife Talks. Links to more information about the topics covered in this show can be found under the podcast tab.